Welcome to Green Eagle Forever. I'm Eric Drews, broadcasting from Appleton, Wisconsin, and we'll be joined shortly here by a very special guest. And we are now approaching the 2017 Green Bay Packers season, and it just seems like yesterday we were bidding farewell to the 2016 season when we had the Goldie Awards. And a little bit of an update on the podcast. At the Goldies, uh, we found out that Matt, um, uh, my normal co-host and, and my stepbrother, uh, is not going to be doing the show full-time anymore. And uh, through that process, I've still been kind of trying to decide uh, what the future of the podcast is going to be. But um, as we go forward, I wanted to give this uh, a chance at having some special guests on the show. And uh, that's what we're going to start with today. Uh, but just a little update on Matt. He is doing fine. Uh, obviously, um, he's my stepbrother, so we still talk. We're still close. Um, he and his wife gave birth to a uh, beautiful baby girl earlier this year. And uh, later this year, we'll be seeing him because I'm getting married in a couple of weeks. But now that preseason is tomorrow, we finally can be reminded about what's really important in life, and that's Green Bay Packers football. So right now, with that said, we're going to bring in our first guest host, and that is Chris Zarnick. So Chris Zarnick, a longtime friend of mine, um, often on this show you've heard me say, well, at work today I talked to my friend or my boss. Well, that friend and boss is quite <laughs> often Chris Zarnick. And uh, Chris, you have... Not only a long time uh, experience being a Packer fan, but you also have done some coaching relatively recently. Yeah, that's right. Well, so first of all, Eric, thank you very much for the opportunity to join the podcast. This is <laughs> actually my first formal podcast, although it seems like you and I have been recording podcasts in my office talking about the Packers <laughs> virtually every week, uh, which is one of the conversations I enjoy most. Um, yeah, so uh, I had the opportunity for about 10 years to coach in the semi-pro ranks. Uh, a, a team called the Fox Valley Force. Uh, spent a, a couple of years with the Kimberly Storm as well. Um, but the Fox Valley Force is a semi-pro football team based in Kimberly. And, um, boy, I served just about every uh, every role there. Uh, announcer, started out as an announcer, <laughs> and the guy who ran the chains on the sidelines and, uh, and really ended up as uh, their offensive coordinator. Um, really cool experience. People genuinely playing for the love of the game. People who are uh, out of college or, uh, you know, their, their football career had ended, mm -hmm. uh, but they were looking for a place to play. And it's truly for the love of the game. There's no pay. There's no insurance. There's no anything. And uh, but I guarantee you, it is full contact, full foot, <laughs> full, uh, full hitting football with 300 pound linemen. Um, and so I uh, got a couple of championship rings with them, mm -hmm. so that was really cool. And um, I don't know, football has just been this incredible love since I, as long as I can remember. So I'm really grateful for the opportunity to be on your podcast. Yeah, we're glad to have you. And uh, when you were talking about it being full contact, um, I don't. we talked about it briefly on the show, but um, Matt uh, actually was trying to play for the Eau Claire Crush, and uh, he eventually made the team, and then I, I think the one of the last practices before the first game, um, he had been named to be the starting cornerback and wide receiver, ended up breaking his foot and didn't get to play at all. Um, if I remember correctly, however, he probably saved himself a crushing at the hands of the force because I don't think Eau Claire fared very well against the force that year. This well, is probably 2013-14. Yeah, so I will tell you, uh, you know, I started coaching around 2007, and there was a time when the Eau Claire crush was certainly um, – 
boy, in the top of those ranks, um, you know, the pred, uh, the Predators were uh, are, are perennially a really good team. Uh, but the Eau Claire Crush, um, they would very often get people who were playing football or just up, done playing football for UW-Eau Claire. And mm-hmm. so um, where a lot of our guys, um, you know, the, uh, our center, the year we won the first championship was 42 years old. Wow. And um, and so most of those guys were 22. So they were very, very good. And I, it's sad that they uh, that fell apart. I'm not sure what that story is. But um, let's just say we paid them back for some, uh, <laughs> some beatdowns that they handed to us earlier. <laughs> Well, there you go. So I had to bring Chris on, not only because uh, he, he knows a lot about Packers football, we have great conversations, but I need some credibility on this show because if it's just me talking by myself, my string bean self just watching a lot of football <laughs> games, I mean, that has a credibility, but there's, it, there, I need a different credibility to kind of balance that a little bit. Well, I think we have a really different perspective. I mean, I, you know, we, we see strategically uh, and through personnel a lot of the same things, but we come from very different eras, mm-hmm. um, and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about that a little bit later. Um, but I'm, uh, you know, I started watching Packer football. I can say my first remembrance is probably, uh, 1969 or so, oh, wow. uh, you know, right after they were good <laughs> and, <laughs> and into the long desert after, after that. So, um, mm-hmm. and your perspective is different. So we just have these great conversations. Yeah. And we're going to get into some of that later, but let's start with the 2017 Packers because, Believe it or not, preseason is upon us. I believe there's actually a couple of games uh, tonight, uh, tonight being Wednesday. Tomorrow night will be the Packers' first preseason game. But let's talk a little bit about what's happened during this offseason. So for starters, the offseason began immediately following the devastating loss in Atlanta in the NFC Championship game where Aaron Rodgers was very vocal about wanting, not saying specifically, but implying Ted Thompson to go out and get him some help. And while the Packers lost quite a bit in free agency, I believe they lost seven unrestricted free agents, this was the first time in a while where it seemed Ted Thompson made a noticeable effort to pick up some veterans to try to bolster the roster rather than waiting to develop uh, some defense and especially some offensive guys that uh, you know might not be good in time for a now 33-year-old quarterback. Yeah, I'll tell you, if, if you're a Packer fan, you should be pretty excited right now. Um, anybody who's been around the Ted Thompson era knows that the draft and develop philosophy has worked out really well, but, but it clearly has gotten them just close to the top and with some of the really disappointing losses in the divisional round and the NFC Championship games, it's pretty clear we're you know a couple of players short. And and if you remember uh, like the 1996 season, mm-hmm. you know think about Keith Jackson, think about Sean Jones. Uh, those players who were brought in uh, almost immediately made a difference and made a very good team, and very much like we are right now, a very good team, a great team. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, even think about uh, you know Woodson for the for the 2010 Packers. Yeah, uh, you know, just there are some places where you just need a superstar, mm-hmm. and um, and I think we've done a pretty good job. We, <laughs> we, <laughs> me and Ted Thompson, I guess. <laughs> I, think, I think the Packers have done. He's a really finally good listened job. to you. Yeah, filling uh, <laughs> filling every single one of the holes that was kind of apparent to every Packer fan. Yeah. And they got unlucky in some ways with injuries last year, but it's it's becoming clear in the modern NFL that every team is pretty unlucky with injuries almost every year. And there were times last year, and it all worked out at the end, but we talked about things like 
Um, the running back situation is a little bit different this year, but things like taking the field against the Bears on a Thursday night game without a running back on the roster yeah, and <laughs> trying to fill everything with uh, young guys, and that's when you get a couple injuries, and now you have Ladarius Gunter covering Julio Jones one-on-one. And that could still happen, but at least it's not going to happen everywhere to replace all seven unrestricted free agents. Right, and they have to remember that you know a lot of people with as deep as the Packers wide receivers have been uh, have, are big fans of keeping seven wide receivers. And that's great because we probably are at least seven deep uh, in this roster this year. But if you keep seven wide receivers, that means you're not carrying another cornerback mm-hmm, or you're not mm-hmm. carrying another running back or offensive lineman. And so there's a you know you have to pay the piper at some point. Mm-hmm. And uh, they just kind of got caught with their hand in the cookie jar, I mm-hmm. think. And you're the offensive coordinator. How many plays in your playbook had seven eligible receivers? Yeah, not that many actually. <laughs> uh, funny, uh, although maybe you know uh, if we could have five, uh, you know, five wide like a big five now. Yeah, and uh, have the running back go out maybe i'll get as close to six well and if a big five could work with ruvel martin as one of the five (laughs) i think it could work with these guys yeah i I think you know i think there's very little question whether the packers will have a good offense i mean if you think about it there was a time when we had a really good offense and and none of our uh wide receivers could beat man coverage yeah and so now you've got a lot of people who can beat man coverage and and so uh, but I'd hate to think that the best defense is a good offense because we've, you know, we've seen that play before and we kind of know how it ends. Yeah, and I don't think it works. And we've tried it for a lot of years. The Saints have tried it relentlessly. Mm-hmm. New England never got back on top until that defense got good again. Right. Um, the Denver Broncos had the best offense in history, scored eight then comes back with a terrible offense and one of the best defenses ever and wins the Super Bowl. I don't think it's necessarily all the way to defense wins championships, but you're not going to outscore somebody all the way to a title. Right. I, I, you know, I, I, I'm, uh, you know, the whole defense wins championships, not without a def- decent offense, unless you're the 85 Bears. And, yeah. then, and then defenses really do it. So, so what we know for sure is that uh, some of the really glaring weaknesses that not only did we – see on SportsCenter or an NFL Network every single week, but it was really apparent to almost every Packer fan. Uh, again, I'm just thrilled to death, the, the free agents they brought in. You know, as soon as they had an opening, bang, there was somebody, and not somebody they were trying to turn into a player at a spot. And I'm just, you know, I, we'll get into it with the draft, but I was just kind of up to my limit with them <laughs> drafting, you know, a, a one-year starter who used to play basketball and say he's yeah. a second-round draft pick for a cornerback. I just you know, how about we draft players who actually play that position <laughs> for the last 10 years of their life? Novel concept that seems to work for every other team in the NFL. Well, I just, you can't be smarter than, you know, Ted Thompson's super smart, but mm-hmm. you can't be smarter than every <laughs> other team. Um, you know, there's, there's something to this whole scouting thing. Yeah, and let's go to that because I think that Ted definitely showed an ability to get outside of his comfort zone, getting Martellus, or, uh, Martellus Bennett, getting uh, Lance Kendricks, picking up Jari Evans for the offensive line. I think they did a nice job in plugging a lot of those offensive holes. But defense, it was business as usual. They didn't get a lot of help unless you thought Devon House was some kind of elite player when he was here the first time. Now he's two years older, and I think he can help, but I think you know what you have in him. Right, right. Um, He's not going to all of a sudden become Charles Woodson overnight. But they went very defense-heavy, and they got guys who had some really good careers in those positions. And that included uh, first-round pick – I'm sorry, almost first-round pick, first pick of the second round, uh, Kevin King for Washington. Um, He's the the defensive back, the guy everybody's excited about, Josh Jones, the safety out of NC State. Then they got Montrevious Adams out of Auburn, the defensive tackle. 
Then they got the homegrown guy, Vince Beagle, the linebacker out of Wisconsin. Now, we got to talk about him because, uh, first of all, a lot of people wanted T.J. Watt. They passed on him in the first round. Um, funny enough is one of our last shows, we talked about how much we like Wisconsin players after they leave, and I said, sometimes they become annoying to me for whatever reason. And I said in January that I'm sure that T.J. Watt will annoy me once he's cheap-shotting guys as a member of the Steelers. <laughs> and um, we'll see if that plays out. But Vince Beagle was drafted. I think everyone was happy. And anyone who watched coverage of the draft on the NFL Network knew that Chris Zarnick was happy. Um, it's still on YouTube. If you go there and you listen to the selection of Vince Beagle, you'll hear a very guttural, yeah! And that is Chris. And I think after hearing him for about an hour here today, you'll be able to make him out. But uh, you told me about it. I went back and saw it, and I started laughing because you totally could tell it was you. Well, my, you know, my son and I were up at Lambeau that day. Uh, no better place to watch the, the draft. We're in 1919, the, the restaurant up there. And um, all of a sudden, we see these people kind of flowing out the front doors. And we're like, well, what's going on? And sure enough, there are cameras out there. And um, Robert Brooks is out there right next to the statue of the Lambeau Leap. And it's clear that they're getting ready to broadcast something. So I, you know, I, we left our table <laughs> and went downstairs and stood, I don't know, six, seven feet away from Robert Brooks, Brooks and the cameras. And uh, and I was really I was really hoping for Vince Beagle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get I get a chance. We haven't really talked about this, but I get a chance to teach some of the athletes down at UW Madison. So yeah. I've actually had both uh, Watt and Beagle in my classes down there, uh, and they're stunningly similar. Um, nice in their measurables. They're both fantastic human beings. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, when he uh, when he t- said it was um, Vince Beagle from. University of Wisconsin, and I just let out this amazing scream, and I got some really dirty looks from the cameraman. But I, you know, that's worth it to be forever, uh, forever enshrined on, uh, on YouTube. <laughs> well, how dare you go to a Packer draft party and then be happy when the Packers draft a Badger? I mean, come on, Chris, have some decorum. <laughs> yeah, I'm really sorry about that. It just it got away from me. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Packers, after making their top four picks on defense where they desperately need him, went all offense the rest of the draft. They drafted Jamal Williams, uh, the running back out of BYU, who a lot of people are excited about. Um, D'Angelo Yancey, the wide receiver out of Purdue. Um, I recently was going through my DVR, and I wanted to watch the Badgers kill Purdue because I still had it on there. Mm-hmm. The only thing I noticed is they could not cover this guy. With as good as their defense was, he was all over the place. And that's, that's fascinating because uh, you know the Badgers had a really outstanding defense, and uh, you know he was just beating them on the outside. Uh, very strong receiver, very big receiver, and I, I think there's a real theme here uh, in all the draft choices. They, they, they get, you know, they're bigger, they're taller, and they're faster, mm-hmm. which, uh, if you think about, really makes for a good football team. But he he really beat the Badgers up badly, mm-hmm. and uh, very often was, you know, they would throw it right in the window between the safety and the cornerback. And um, talented guy, uh, people are comparing him a lot to James Jones when mm-hmm. he was young. Mm-hmm. And uh, boy, if you can get another James Jones, you'd take that in a minute. Yeah, absolutely. Especially if someone who could be as productive as James Jones was from the first day he got there. I mean, he, he was a fixture in that passing game from day one. I think so. And, and he doesn't have, you know, Yancey doesn't have to come back three or four years later to save, save the Packers <laughs> in, their, in their passing offense. And if he does, please don't wear a hoodie. 
that annoyed me so badly. I know everybody kind of took it over, but that thing flapping in the wind just aesthetically, it, it just there, something just didn't work for me. Everybody's got to have their thing, I guess. I guess so. Uh, then they went back to the running back position, got Aaron Jones out of UTEP. Uh, they got Kofi Amachia, I think you say it. Uh, close enough, uh, the guard center from South Florida. They got Devontae Mays, the running back out of Utah State. And then Malachi Dupree, the wide receiver out of LSU, who um, I think a lot of people are excited about. Well, I'll tell you, Malachi Dupree, uh, if, if you look it up, when he came to college, he was the number one rated high school uh, wide receiver in the nation, uh, ranked as the number one best wide receiver uh, and then, as you know, as Badger fans remember, uh, when they played LSU, it wasn't really Malachi Dupree's um, fault that the quarterback <laughs> no. couldn't get him the ball. And so he had some very uh, pedestrian years at LSU. But if you take a look at him, you know, long, lean, uh, you know, might be stretching here a little bit, but 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 built like James Lofton. Kind yeah. Of, um, got a chance to see him at camp. And, he, you know, he'll have to put on 10 or 15 pounds of muscle. But boy, he just—he's one of those striders that just—it mm-hmm. just uh, walks away from people. So uh, I'm very uh, excited about Malachi Dupree. So a heck of a draft class, and I think one of the first years in a while, at least as far as I can remember, where there are a lot of names you've heard of, and that doesn't always translate itself into a good draft. But it felt like for years you almost were trying a little bit too hard to find the diamond in the rough. Right. And I think sometimes uh, you can go to the jewelry shop and just buy them. <laughs> And I feel like they did a little bit more of that this year. Well, I think, you know, uh, last year in the draft when we took Kenny Clark, uh, there were an awful lot. I mean, we had our pick of the, the best defensive linemen, uh, and we'd take somebody who nobody's ever heard of. And I, and now I understand it better because he's a talented guy, and he's only 20 or 21 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I, but I'll say once again that this whole idea of taking people that – you know, doesn't show up on the radar screen in Street and Smith's or mm-hmm. in Mel Kuyper's, yep. you know, draft choice. And, and um, you know, you can you can say bad things against them all you want, but they spent the whole year evaluating thousands of hours of tape. So there's probably something to it. And so just like you said, every one of these players is drafted to play in the position they've play, been playing since they were probably in ninth grade mm-hmm. and um, and clearly have tape on them that shows them with at least one really outstanding quality, whether it's speed, mm-hmm. uh, power, uh, you know, leaping catch ability or, or whatever it is. So mm-hmm. I, I got to tell you, every time they made a pick, I went, that one makes sense. Yeah. And, and that's maybe the first time in a few <laughs> years I've been able to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely true. It's it's nice to have it's nice to see the plan and granted uh, Ted's plan has worked more often than it hasn't, but uh sometimes you you wonder if they're thinking a little too hard. You, you know, I will say one more thing going really quickly back to the free agent thing. When uh when they, they let TJ Lang go. Yeah. I mean, I I, I got to tell you I kind of freaked out a little bit. And then the if you remember the very next day they signed Jahari Evans. Yeah. And and that guy is a, you know, what, six-time pro yeah. pro yeah. bowler. And um so it it appears like there was no leaping, there was no crossing your fingers and hoping mm-hmm. it goes well. It really seems like there was a plan which mm-hmm. You know, the Packers are a billion-dollar industry. Yeah. You shouldn't be rewarding them for actually having a plan, but it, it, everything just seemed to make sense. Yeah, and um, just to echo that idea, the same with replacing Jared Cook, when they immediately not only got 
probably the best tight end available in Bennett. Then they got the maybe the second or third best guy out there. We'll give credit to Cook. Maybe he's the third best. And uh, got Lance Kendricks as well. So they weren't going to let, at least on offense, uh, their quarterback ask for some help. They made sure he at least didn't lose anything. And yeah. maybe upgraded. So Lance, Lance Kendricks is, um, is my prediction for being a really breakout player. And here's why. I, I don't think uh, – we were up at practice about, I don't know, seven or eight days ago. And, and we were really able to see Martellus Bennett. And I, I want to tell you, um, every player on the football field's big. Martellus Bennett is genuinely stands out <laughs> as an enormous human being. I, I just thought, well, how much taller, how much bigger can he be? He really is that much bigger, <laughs> that much taller, and that much stronger uh, than Lance Kendricks. And Lance Kendricks is no small guy himself. But because everybody's talking about Martellus Bennett, you have to imagine that the uh, defensive coordinators will all start their game plan with you know, uh, with stopping uh, yeah. Bennett and um, you know maybe Adams, mm-hmm. and so there you have this forgotten guy on the back end who is if you know if you're a Badger fan at all, you remember Lance Kendricks in a yeah. Badger uniform, and he, I mean, he was a really top tight end. So mm-hmm. my prediction is not that he's better than uh, Martellus Bennett, just he just won't see the coverages that Martellus does. Yeah, and just to wrap up uh, discussion on the tight ends, um, it's been a very brief training camp, but Richard Rogers. Looks like he got the message, and he looks thinner than he's ever looked. He looks faster than he's ever looked. It's really easy. I know you don't got the full pads on, but uh, he clearly is not going to let these two guys coming into town affect his NFL career. Well, I, I, you know, if you think about the competition he's had over the last couple of uh, couple of years, with all due respect to the other tight ends that were in, um, you know, there there were days that I thought that I could, you know, at fifty five years old, suit up and play tight end for the Packers. Hey, Perillo's still going to make a Pro Bowl. Yeah, Come there on, we man. go. Sure. Um, <laughs> Just not sure what sport in, uh, but but I'll tell you, he looked great at practice. He looked strong. He looked lean. He looked fast. He looked confident. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, competition wins, and competition really uh, clarifies and, and sharpens every player out there. Mm-hmm. So before we wrap up, talk on the draft. Who do you think is going to be? the biggest impact in 2017 amongst the draft class and who do you think is going to have the best career overall so uh i will tell you i was cheering for montrevious adams uh who now is out with a foot injury but i'll tell you he's um uh he was pretty dominant at the senior bowl and um when when ted thompson said they were thrilled that he was still there in the third round um, I was that too, so it'll take some time to get there. I, I think Jamal Williams will be the one who really uh, makes the difference. Kevin hmm. King will uh, – he'll play good defense. He'll get beat a few times. He'll have a couple of interceptions. Josh Jones will make some, uh, you know, make some splash plays. But um, Jamal Williams, uh, not only a good runner, but, but he, was, he spent his last four years – well, five years actually because he sat out one year – at BYU, but he, in this whole zone blocking scheme that the Packers are committed to, and he's a one-cut runner who's been doing that for, well, he's the leading rusher at BYU with the exact same blocking scheme that the Packers have. That's awesome. And, and the second thing uh, is that when you watch at practice and Ty Montgomery is trying to do blitz pickup or, or pass protection, which, you know, think about it, as much as we're talking about running backs, number yeah. 12 runs the show and yep. you need to keep him on his feet. Um, you know, uh, at Ty Montgomery was really struggling, and and why not? Because he hasn't been doing it. Since He's a he wide receiver, exactly. <laughs> but uh, but Jamal uh, Williams just stepped in and looked like he'd been doing it for the last ten years, which again he probably yes, has. Yeah. Uh, so I really see uh, at some point Jamal Williams being the lead running back. And Ty Montgomery, as, as, as much as he's been tabbed as the number one running back, I see him running a lot more screens, a lot mm-hmm. more draws, 
and uh, Jamal Williams is he was built for this offense. Yeah, I'm excited about um, I'm I'm excited about all of them. Obviously, they're not all going to work out, but I like those picks. Um, hopefully, Adams doesn't lose too much of his rookie season. I think that probably Jamal Williams will have the biggest impact this year. As I like you said, I I don't know if Ty Montgomery can hold up to the grind if they need him, especially once you get into worse weather or if the passing game if there's any injuries at receiver or god forbid the quarterback position I think Jamal Williams you need a real running back back there sometimes and maybe Ty Montgomery does become your Darren Sproles which I I think that would be great I'm a little bit worried about Jamal Williams for the stupidest reason ever and it's nothing to do it's not his fault he was number 21 and the way he runs looks exactly like Brent Fullwood (laughs) So <laughs> the re- reincarnation yeah. of Brent Fullwood. So hopefully, if he asks to be out of a game because he's sick, he really is, and he's not dancing in Chicago later that night. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think uh, one thing that you, uh, you know, Jamal Williams is a happy guy. He's a good guy, but I'll tell you, uh, you see him in person, and um, you know, you see the way he's built. He makes you feel bad to be a man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I look in the mirror and think, if that's what I'm supposed to look like, I am. <laughs> I'm losing. Here. Well, I'll get three of my friends, and we'll all look like Jamal Williams. Yeah, then. Yeah. So, so I'll, I'll tell you. Um, uh, the, and the one, the one sleeper pick I'm going to talk mm-hmm. about just for a second here is Aaron Jones. Uh, Aaron Jones out of UTEP was the mm-hmm. second running back taken, and um, little smaller, five nine, mm-hmm. uh, still two hundred and five, two hundred and ten pounds, um, but has uh, unbelievable hands, unbelievable breakaway skill. And uh, boy, if you if you had a flare out of the backfield, you've got run some screens with him. Um, you watch some of the highlights on YouTube, and he can really do some damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and r- my pick for the maybe the long term impact is going to be I'm b- buying the hype a little bit. I know you were there and saw him, but a lot of people whose opinion on the Packers I really respect, guys like uh, Jason Wildy and Rob Domovsky and guys like Larry McCarron. They're all gushing about Josh Jones like he's going to be Ronnie Lott. And I don't know that to be true, obviously, but a guy that one of the conversations you and I had talked about uh, for a long time in our non-recorded podcast, (laughs) they need to get meaner on defense. And I don't think he's going to be a mean guy off the field, but he could give you a Leroy Butler kind of presence where I don't really feel like going over the middle today. And he's got the athleticism to make plays, but he's got the toughness to also kind of be that guy. And maybe in the second level, get one of those guys because they got Mike Daniels on the line, but behind him, who are you afraid of? And perhaps Josh Jones can be that guy long term. Well, I, and I think uh, so. First of all, you're right. Uh, you saw it in practice. Saw it in uh, some of the uh, scuffles that have bro- broken out. Josh Jones seems to be in the middle. He's got attitude. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. You know, I don't think he's Ronnie Lott, but he's you know he's he's six foot one inches tall, two hundred twenty pounds, runs a four 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 five. I mean, when, when, who is the last Packer on defense that you could give those measurables to? Yeah. And, and um, you know, he's he's been super good in practice shooting the gap for uh, for blitzing. But, but as importantly, if you think about how badly the Packer middle linebackers have gotten beaten by the Atlantas of the world and the mm-hmm. Cowboys of the world going to three wide receivers to one side of the field and expecting a middle linebacker to come. I mean, you've got somebody with wide receiver speed yeah. and size – who can match up with them on third down, you know, so if you get into third and seven or more, you're not mm-hmm. going to run the ball. Yeah. So you can have a smaller player out there and all of a sudden you match up really well with Gronk. You match up really well with, you know, some of the slot receivers. So I, I, I like your pick. I like mm-hmm. it a lot. Yeah. So uh, time will tell, but uh, definitely a more intriguing rookie class than we've had in a number of years. So that's good. Um, so training camp, um, we're, we're starting to get towards preseason games and, 
As far as the total package for the 2007 Packers, or 2007 Packers, I think they're going to lose a devastating <laughs> NFC Championship game. That's just my prediction for the 2017. Uh, but in 2017, what are you most excited about for the team that you think will be a great improvement or a great surprise? And what is making you most fearful that's going to tank the season? So what I'm most excited about is um, that the Packers passing defense doesn't have to be great mm-hmm. to be so much better. I mean, when you're 31st in the league, you know, if they ended up at 15th, if yeah. you were average, you know, if think about some of the Packers shootout games last year, if they had an average pass defense, mm-hmm. they win those games that some of those games they lost and they win them by two touchdowns. Yeah. So, you know, you think about Kirk Cousins just carving them up uh, from Washington. And so I, I, I'm really excited about the pass defense. Uh, the nervous thing I, I have is pass rush. So yeah. where did you really get better? Um, you know, so so Nick Perry, uh, good signing. I'm solid guy. You know, I, I believe that certain certain positions demand a certain body type. And mm-hmm. Nick Perry looks like an outside linebacker. But, but Clay is um, – you know, Clay is kind of a shadow of what he once was, yeah. and and what do you have behind that? Mm-hmm. Um, not only does he get hurt, but you know, you you, you pick Kyler Fackerel, who has been absolute ghost mm-hmm. in training camp. Yeah, um, you know, he put on a little weight, but but he just he looks tall and lean, but he is just not, you know, he's just not bringing it all uh, with him. Uh, you have some undrafted people back there. You got Elliot, yeah, uh, who who uh, you know, I will tell you, he looks like a he looks like. He fits the mold. But he's got to do it at some point. I mean, he's been showing flashes for four years. It's not 2014 anymore. If he's going to be a legit, he's got to start doing it. Right, right. So, so um, you know, I, I think you there was all there were all these people thinking about putting Clay back in the middle. I don't think you have to do that. I, you know, t- to be perfectly honest with you, I don't see a reason why on third down you'd ever have a true middle linebacker on the field. Yeah. You know, unless it's third and one. Mm-hmm. But, uh, can, you know, can you imagine um, – you know our, our two safeties, Josh Jones and um, Dix, uh, uh, or Burnett. Burnett, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, as the middle linebackers. Yeah. So, so think about that for a second. As your middle linebackers, you rush three. You have two really fast middle linebackers, and so and then you got six dropping in coverage. Yeah. And you still got your center fielder, you know, haha, from right. the Pro Bowl. So, so, so you know, go ahead and throw against that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll tell you, there, there is no cornerback who can. Um, can cover somebody more than three or four seconds. It's just it just doesn't happen. And so without pass rush, mm-hmm. you're really in trouble. That's a great one, and I think we're all kind of uh, concerned about that. And I think Clay's done as an elite pass rusher. I think he should have never come back outside. I feel like he he was at his best in the middle. Uh, what two years ago or no three years ago now? Yeah. But uh, I. I mean, that one makes me nervous. It always nervous. bothers me when, when uh, superstar players start doing commercials. You kind of know <laughs> that that's an indicator of the end of their year because they, they get famous right after they're really good. Yeah. Um, he, you know, uh, listen, I, who am I to critique Clay Matthews? Obviously a, a, an all-star, really good player. Um, doesn't have a lot of moves. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if he doesn't beat you outside mm-hmm. and dip his shoulder um, – and, and and that doesn't work unless you get pass rush up front, which is yeah. why I was so excited about Montrevious Adams, because if you can collapse the pocket in front, mm-hmm. then the outside pass rushers can come in. And so uh, he just doesn't seem dominant. He, 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 I hate to say it, he seems like just another guy. Yeah, he's getting there, I think. Um, and, and hopefully it was just injuries, because we've seen some of these guys say it's injuries and you're not quite sure, and then they prove it was, they come back. 
But, uh, you know, it's been a few years now. 30 is a magical age, not just for <laughs> running backs, but anybody who is a, a really finely tuned athlete who, who is, uh, is um, really, you know, wins with speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wins with power sometimes, but mostly he wins with speed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're, you're, just, uh, you're just about that age, I'm guessing. Yeah, I'm 30 now. Slower. I ain't that the truth. You know, <laughs> I used to beat everybody with speed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I just, you know, it's time to retool and, and, and listen, Vince Beagle, as I mentioned, and, and Watt had very incredibly similar measurables. Um, I think Watt has a little higher upside, but Beagle is a more accomplished pass rusher, mm-hmm. has been doing pass rush for more time. But, you know, very few outside linebackers make this splash first mm-hmm. time on because the moves that got them home in college – you know, the, 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 the tackles that they're going against have seen those moves for years. Yeah. So that's a great one. Uh, we'll see how the pass rush goes. Uh, for me, the thing I'm most excited about is this is probably the closest this team has been offensively to what the 2011 Packers were. Yeah. And it'll be exciting, provided everyone stays healthy, to see how good those guys can get. We haven't even mentioned Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb yet. Um, you know, Cobb, I think he might be feeling the pressure a little bit more than the others with uh, some of those younger guys biting at his ankles a little bit and, and and trying to compete for his job. I think Jordy Nelson, just from a personal standpoint, he's been one of my favorite Packers to watch in mm-hmm. recent years. And it was such a relief last year that he was good again, especially yeah, late right. in, the, in the season. You were wondering if he ever was going to be good again. And to have him lead the NFL in touchdowns, make some really big plays down the stretch. That was nice, and I think it can only get better. Yeah, Jordy, Jordy's kind of an unbelievable talent. I mean, first of all, he's you know in the league what eight or nine years, and mm-hmm. he's still you know he's still nobody thinks he's that fast. He's still no. running past everybody. Um, his body control, his sideline catches, his hands. Uh, he's just really a wonder, uh, a wonder. But again, you know, mm-hmm. thirty-one. Right? Yeah. So so at some point, uh, you know, Father Time is undefeated, mm-hmm. and. Um, I think that this will be unpopular, but one of my surprise cuts, I, you know, I, I don't know that Randall Cobb doesn't get traded or, or I don't know that he gets cut. Yeah. Listen, you're, you're a $10 million receiver, a year receiver who is, um, you know, splashes, sure, yeah, splashes, yeah. but often hurt and, um, you know, isn't going to beat anybody deep. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think he'd be, uh, I just think you're so deep at wide yeah. receiver. That um, again, I don't expect it to happen. But no, that would be my surprise kind of. Yeah, you know, Randall Cobb probably ends up with the Vikings because everybody you know, <laughs> goes to the Vikings. Who goes to the Vikings? Well, they cut Josh Sitton last year, and I think everybody likes Randall Cobb, and he was injured in fifteen. But what does that say about his ability to be that high-paid receiver when James Jones dusts himself off the street and becomes your number one wide receiver overnight? I, you know. I don't think Randall Cobb was ever designed to be anybody's. Uh, I think he was totally miscast when they tried to move him into the number one receiver slot. Mm-hmm. He's a fantastic slot receiver. He runs option routes really well, rip, whip routes really well, stop routes really well. He's very good at finding the open space between the the cornerbacks and the linebackers. Um, but, but I got to tell you, ten million dollars, and, mm-hmm. and as much as I'm thrilled to death with what the Packers do uh, personnel wise, they're very clearly also still a business. Yeah. And and if you're paying somebody ten million dollars a year, I mean, if you if you're not willing to pay uh, T.J. Lang ten million dollars yeah. a year, and he's protecting Brett Favre, mm-hmm. you better you better be bringing something every day if you're pay, getting paid ten million dollars as a receiver. Yeah, and he, I mean, I I knew he was a good lineman, but he's protecting Favre. And Rogers, yeah, right, right. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, um, 
who knows though with a true tight end we haven't had a tight end really since what jermichael finley so maybe some of those routes that you described are going to open and, and up that's for what him. i'm saying the slot receiver used to be so important but but those slot routes the seam routes are going to be um you know are going to be taken up by lance kendricks and martellus bennett that's and, true um Ty Montgomery is going to be running the whips. Uh, listen, I, I, I got to tell you, so, so that kind of my my surprise prediction is mm-hmm. that Ty Montgomery ends up being your slot receiver. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and uh, and actually, Jordy's really good out of the slot, too. And he's yeah. really, yeah. Uh, he's got really good stats out of there. But um, I just, you know, I just think um, if you don't deliver this year with this much competition, there's mm-hmm. somebody's going to take a hard look at you. Yeah, uh, that, that's a... That'll be interesting because uh, he's really uh, not really quite played up to what he's getting paid. Everybody loves Randall Cobb. He's a great guy. Oh, my, oh my goodness. I want him to win a title so bad, but it is what it is. Fantastic guy, fantastic community member. Um, but but at some point, you know, it, it usually happens that right after people get paid, mm-hmm. they get paid at their, this, you know, kind of the, the top of their career. Mm-hmm. And then it's not very often that they outplay their, their big contract. Yeah, and that's – Probably why you see a lot of those hard decisions right. for guys like Ted Thompson. Um, the thing I'm most concerned about, I'm very excited about all these new members of the secondary, these young guys. Um, I'm excited about Vince Beagle and Montrevious Adams and all of these. But particularly sticking to the secondary, I like the new additions. I like that they got house so they at least have a veteran back there that's used to playing defensive back. If you can get either Randall or Rollins... And Gunter, I don't think it's as likely, but if you can get one of those three to make a year two to three jump that we saw out of Devontae Adams last year, we talked about it on here, you and I talked privately, it looked like this guy just wasn't going to get it, Devontae Adams, and then he became basically the best player on the team when they needed him the most. If somebody can make that jump in the secondary, they could have a really good passing defense. If it doesn't happen... 10 and 6 might be the ceiling again because everybody's going to tee off on this secondary and it's going to look like it did in November and October watching other teams run down the field with number 21 and number 24 chasing them. Yeah, I, I um, you know, you make a really good point here, Eric, and that is, uh, you know, we, we I don't think anybody knew the extent of the injuries that um, Quentin Rollins and Randall had. Mm-hmm. Both of them had surgery, one yeah. of them during the season, one of the off season. And, you know, the surgery was in a pretty private place. And so uh, having a torn muscle in that place clearly affects your running. Um, and and they're, they're good signs. I want to tell you, they're really good signs. Yeah. Um, originally, Randall was like the, the superstar of camp. And now the last three, four days, Quentin Rollins has been, out, you know, outplaying everybody. So, mm-hmm. uh, again, you don't need both of them to be great. You need yeah. one person to play that slot or that star position mm-hmm. really well. And and they don't even have to blitz. You know, they they have they talk all the time about having that star player blitz. But I think I think you're going to see Josh Jones in the backfield an awful sure. lot and just let those guys cover. Yeah, and the hope is that the injury was really the difference. And I guess the jury's still out, and why shouldn't it be? I mean, they showed some flashes in their first year. Last year they were pretty awful. I know they had the injury, but we'll find out this year. Were they bad because they were injured, or were they bad because one's a basketball player and the other one's a safety? Yeah, I, I'm not sure that you can. I, I mean, I, I want to put a lot of the blame on the injuries because, like, like they clearly are able to do it, right? So, so they, they, if you if you look good, they didn't, you know, they didn't suddenly forget how to play football. And no, they didn't. They didn't uh, but with those kind of injuries, you're, you know, you go from a four-four guy to maybe a four-eight guy, and, mm-hmm. and in the NFL, that's plenty to get you beat. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. So I'm I'm definitely hopeful, but it's so early on in their career. Devontae Adams, I think, had injuries in 2015, and then last year he was a little healthier. So I'm hoping one of them can make that jump. As much as I'm excited about King, I don't just how I hate to say this, but he that's not his NFL body yet. I think he's not going to be a really elite level guy right away and even not even elite I think hopefully you can get as good as Sam Shields was in 10 or Tremont Williams in 07 you know if you can get that that would be a bonus he's not going to go out and be your number one corner right away you hate to say it but you just need to be competent yeah (laughs) I mean you know we're we're talking about greatness and we're talking there are comparisons to Richard Sherman with his size he's clearly not that thick no he's, he's the same height he's got the same speed but he's clearly not that strong or that thick uh, but guys, we do not need, um, you know, we don't need Mel Blunt back there. No, <laughs> you know, no, we, we don't need Deion Sanders back there. We need somebody who who doesn't leave somebody open, you know, five yards behind yeah. them every other time they make they make the route. And so I, I think that's what you'll see is we got so used to seeing receivers so wide open, yeah, that it almost became well, that's just the pack of defense. <laughs> that's not normal in yeah. the NFL, and. Uh, and, and I will tell you this, you know, a lot of people have been calling for Don, K- Don Caper's head. And, and, you know, the last few years it was like, well, we've had injuries. And now you have your pieces. Yeah. You know, now, now, now you're locked and loaded and you have the pieces that you need. Uh, if this doesn't work, it's scheme. Yeah. I'll just tell you. Because it, it's what, the fourth talent cycle we've had with right. Dom Capers? Right, exactly. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, I'm, I'm a fan uh, of Don, Dom Capers. I think if we were playing in 19, you know, <laughs> uh, 1993, we would probably have a top 10 defense. Um, Those run and shoot teams are in trouble this year. I'll tell you, we got them. Uh, if we just had a time machine and could go back, we would probably uh, still get beaten in the divisional round. <laughs> the so, 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 you know, that's that's my point here is if at some point you got to figure out is it the players or is it the scheme mm-hmm. and we'll know by the end of this year yeah absolutely and so I think if you look at all of what we just talked about I don't think anybody barring an injury to Aaron Rodgers or just the complete decimation of one position I don't think anybody's worried about the offense it's more of a discussion are, are they going to be the best offense or the fifth best offense or somewhere in between I mm-hmm. think everybody's pretty sure about that the concern is the defense and I think they got to be at least top 15. I know you mentioned that, but maybe even a little higher or get lucky with some matchups in the playoffs because you don't have to have the best defense, but Brett Favre's only Super Bowl was with the number one defense and Rodgers was with the number two defense. Mm -hmm, Tom Brady has had trouble winning Super Bowls without the number one defense. And so you got to be better than just good. And I think if you don't have somebody emerge as a big-time playmaker – Let's say my concern comes true and your concern comes true and they can't rush the passer and they can't cover anybody. Well, then what do you do now? You can't score enough points to win it. You, you can go 10 and six. You can go 10 and six with that every year. But uh, the Atlanta Falcons will gladly invite you down to their new stadium for another playoff game. Right. And, and I, you know, something that the listeners should really think about here is, you know, the question is, is it more important to be a top 10 rushing defense or a top 10 passing defense. Well, think about it. The Packers were really good run defense last yeah. year and got run out of stadiums. And so, number one, the plays are bigger on, on in the passing game. But you got to think of it this way. If you have really good uh, 
running defense, you stop the play for mm-hmm. a loss or if you have really good passing, you get turnovers. Yeah. You know, if you have a good running defense, you don't get fumbles all the time. But if you have good good passing defense, you know, one more interception in a game changes the, the mm-hmm. momentum and the, the theme of the whole game. So I think it's way, especially in this NFL, it's way more important mm-hmm. to be a good passing uh, defense. And, you know, if somebody wants to run it down your throat and, and go 80 yards in 14 plays mm-hmm. and you got Rodgers on the other side who will score in four, mm-hmm. I'll take those odds. Well, and let me ask you real quick as a, uh, you know, a former offensive coordinator and a play caller, um, and maybe you can either say I'm completely wrong or you can confirm this, but my feeling has always been that if you have a bad rush defense, obviously that's a huge problem. But if you have a bad pass defense, that changes your philosophy on offense. It almost instills a sense of urgency, even in close games, even early in games, because you feel like you got to get out and ahead because the other team's going to have no problem keeping pace. Well, it's, I think you're exactly right. So you've called that exactly right. You know, you want to come and listen, you can't go play action pass unless you can run the ball. Yeah. And so what happens is when you fall behind really quickly, um, you run basically to try and keep people off balance, but mm-hmm. you're not running them to, to really fake them into the linebackers coming up two steps. Because if you really think about offensive strategy, off, 85% of offensive strategy is getting the defense to, go, to leave their zone, to leave yeah. their responsibility. Yeah. Well, um, if you're just going straight passing, you know, I'm, I'm hooked up one-on-one with this, or I've got, my, I've got my defensive zone to play as a cornerback or a drop linebacker. I just know where to go. Like, mm-hmm. There's no deception whatsoever. Yeah. So I think you're right. There's desperation uh, in the offense. Um, and, and, you know, I think you have to believe at some point when you have a top five offense and a bottom five <laughs> defense, you know, I'm, I can't believe that that plays really well in the locker room. I mean, oh, we, God. we had some fantastic defenses with the force. I mean, just kind of mm-hmm. ridiculously good defenses. And many years our offense couldn't score. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll tell you, <laughs> behind closed doors, and they were very good about it, but behind closed doors, there were, you know, two or three games in, there were, you know, they won't want there to be finger pointing, but there sure was. Yeah, and I would imagine that's no different at the NFL level, if not more pronounced, because there's probably a, you know, when you're in commercials, maybe the ego is a bit bigger <laughs> than when you're, um, you know, you're playing for the force and really all in it together. Right, well, right, we're exactly. all in it together at every level, yeah, but, sure. you know, but not a lot of those guys probably think they deserve $20 million a year. Right, and, and, but so much more to play for, um, but, you know, it's, it's the defense really has to, to – um, if they're not split every time the ball is snapped, mm-hmm. if there's not a legitimate chance, mm-hmm. uh, I'd want to play defense against that team yeah. really well because you know you drop into your zone, you cover your guy, uh, you get some pressure on the quarterback, everything else is really straightforward. Yeah. So we'll see how it all plays out, and at least we'll get our first taste tomorrow of seeing an actual game, even though it doesn't count, but it'll be at Lambeau Field and it'll be against an opponent. Let's make some really quick, high-level predictions for 2017. Um, I, I guess real fast, what do you think the Packers' record's going to be? I think you're probably going to be 11-5. and five. Mm-hmm. Uh, There are a lot of people who say that they're going to be better than that. But I, I'll tell you, there's always a game or two that the Packers go in and they should really win. Mm-hmm. They win one that they shouldn't, and mm-hmm. they, they lose two that they shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and and when, you know, if, you, if you get up to be 7-1, and one, the idea that you can let up on the gas a little bit, whether mm-hmm. you mean to or not, is real. Yeah. So 11-5 and five is enough, and I hope that's enough to get some whole field advantage if that's what the record is. Yeah, I think you're right for 11-5, and five and... They gotta. I'm afraid that's not going to be enough to get a first round buy, and it sounds really simple and almost kind of 
dumb, but the truth is they got to win more games. The reason they're not winning championships, and the Patriots are a bad example, but let's use Rodgers and Brady. The reason Brady's going to the Super Bowl every other year and Aaron Rodgers has been to one is that Tom Brady always plays at home and he only has to play twice. And Tom Brady's got a losing record in the playoffs on the road. Almost everybody in the history of the NFL does. It is really hard to win road games against good teams. Well, well, and if you look at the 2010 season, you know, we were number six seed and played on the road every single game and see people go, well, see, it can happen. Well, there's a reason why it's rare. I mean, yeah. There's a reason why that that's special that they did it uh, because it's really, really hard to do. And and I'm not saying that the, the outcome would have been so different, but imagine if that uh, game against Atlanta where we just got absolutely steamrolled mm-hmm. and run off the field is played in five-degree weather at yeah. Lambeau. Um, I don't think, you know, Julio It's tighter. Jones, right, absolutely. I, I, I think, you know, you, you can you can cover on grass and you mm-hmm. can cover when you're um, – when you have a slower track and it's cold and they don't want to be there. So mm-hmm. uh, I think you're right. It's, it's, it, well, it's just really, it's clear, right? For the yeah. last four or five years, it's absolutely clear that if you get games at home, mm-hmm. uh, with rare exception, playoff games at home, you're going to win them. Well, and that's, I hate a lot of the cliches that are shared in the endless hours of uh, sports television and stuff, but that big one, especially with Packer fans, well, just win and any, or get in and anything can happen. It's like they already caught lightning in a bottle. You want them to catch a second bolt. Yeah, right. And even league-wide, that's not true. No team that's played on wildcard weekend has been in the Super Bowl since the Ravens five years ago. Yeah, that's something. And outside of that five-year stretch, almost the entire history of the NFL is filled with number one and two seeds playing other number one and two seeds in the Super Bowl. So they got to find ways to win some more of those games. Well, and, you know, it's it's a lovely thought. You know, just get in. <laughs> yeah. How about we just dominate? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, to say that we can get in on the fringe and pull off a miracle. Yeah. Uh, you know, you look at some of the really dominant teams in the past. Mm-hmm. You knew by week three yeah. that they were going to be, you know, probably in the divisional uh, divisional round or if the in, in the championship mm-hmm. game. And so uh, I, I just, you know, we we got to stop playing from behind. Bad starts have been a horrible yep. thing with the Packers. Over the last several years. And the one time they had a good start, they had a terrible finish. Yeah, there you go. Uh, but the whole run the table, yeah, it make, makes for a great story. But how about we don't have to do that? You know, it, you know, when you come from behind to win, wouldn't it be just better to be Usain Bolt and, yeah. and win, you know, be ahead, well, except his last race. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, you know, for 10 years, he was ahead of everybody else. That's... Yeah, that's really what you're looking I for. enjoyed the 96 Packers motto, which let's kill everybody until Thanksgiving and then let's kill everybody from that point yeah, on. Yeah, that, that seems like, um, you know, that seems like. The, so so that's one thing that we talked about when we talked about Josh Jones is kind of that killer instinct. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not talking about mean off the field, but you're talking about once you cross onto that field, you got an attitude. Yeah. And, and name the last Packer team that had that kind of attitude yeah. i mean even even the 2010 team mm-hmm. uh, good defense but but more finesse yeah know? yeah so so, so I, i'd ask the listeners to think about this just for a second just lean back well after you're done listening to the podcast but <laughs> but lean back and think about the last big hit by a packer you can remember yeah probably gosh they Charlie Pepper, I think, laid out Jericho Cotri or something. You, know, you like have that. you have uh, you know visions of Chuck Cecil dancing yeah. in your head. Yeah. Um, but but that t- that's telling, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, that, that we're very polite defense yeah. and we tackle with great form. Um, but that's not when, what win championships. I, I you know I want um, you know I want Harrison uh, mm-hmm. breathing down on somebody. I want you know I want somebody not wanted to come over the middle a second time. And I, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can send Julio Jones on that drag route all you want. Yeah. But, but if somebody lights him up, yeah. like right, it, like right in the chops, yeah. uh, 
clean hit, yeah. good hit, but you know, right right in the chest as he's mm-hmm. catching the ball, he's going to go back to the huddle and say, let's <laughs> let's let's run something else. Well, and hopefully uh, one of those new guys will be able to step up and be that guy. So we both think they're going to go eleven and five. So do you think there's any chance anybody pushes them in the NFC North? You know, I I think Detroit is forever like the almost team. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're loaded. They have lots of talent. I think I think if they get their running game going, they can be good. But I got to tell you, I. There's something about them being snake bitten that um, you know they just they kind of have this second tier team attitude, yeah, and and just being you know good enough to get in the playoffs because you really think about it they they get in the playoffs which is super rare, yeah, and and it's just the biggest news ever. Mm-hmm. Well, well, that's not really what you want. No. You want you want to you know uh, you know like Lombardi used to say when you get into the end zone act like you've been there before. Sure, sure. And I, I don't think they do that. Um, I think I think Minnesota's in trouble. They're going to have a really good. They have a good defense. Um, Dalvin Cook will be a fine uh, runner coming out of the backfield. Um, but but who scares you? I mean, who's yeah. you know who scares you in there? Um, I hope Sam Bradford plays for ten years there. Yeah, I, I really do. I, you know, hit Sam Bradford really. Although he was tough, like I shouldn't say yeah. that because he was he got pounded pretty good in that first game against the Vikings. He was tough, but he wasn't very good, and it, his stats almost ruined. It, it was like a uh, awakening for me trying to figure out how to determine quarterbacks that I can't watch every play of. Mm-hmm. How do I determine who's good? Because his stat line from a traditional standpoint was tremendous. Yeah, and if you watch the games, he was not a good player. It, it, it just doesn't translate to uh, to winning football. And then the Bears, um, with great glee, I'll say, you know, um, better luck next year. Um, Gave the 49ers a haul to move up one spot for a player they weren't going to pick. Yeah, that's that's something. I, you know, somebody got taken to the cleaners there, and I, you know, I think John Lynch did kind of a used car salesman job on the Bears, <laughs> and you know, good for him, I guess. But yeah, um, and then and then to take a quarterback that was not not universally to, mm-hmm. uh, people did not universally agree that they were the, he was the top quarterback in the draft mm-hmm. and certainly not a once in a generation no. player like the Peyton Mannings of the world and and Andrew um, Luck and right high guys like that yeah I agree I'm not I'm not too afraid of any of them uh, they're always going to be tough to beat because those teams always play each other tough and I forget who the Packers have the last week of the season is that Detroit again I think it is so then obviously Detroit will if we think the Packers are going to go 11 and 5 Detroit will be 11 and 4 um, in the final week of the season because they can't seem to ever have a easy week 17 <laughs> so, well, and that's the point about really winning you know, drama is overrated. I'll tell you, <laughs> as, as a former coach, um, you, you don't want, you know, it, it makes for good television, yeah. but you don't really want to score on the last play of the game. Sure. You want to be in the middle of the third quarter, up three touchdowns, you know, trying to find the Gatorade. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> We've I, had enough drama for the last couple of years. I, I think, again, just like the attitude, the killer instinct is something that hopefully some of these players, um, you know, Mike Daniels is, is clearly one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Josh Jones seems like he's one of those guys. Uh, Francois, who came mm-hmm. over uh, from Washington, he's a no-nonsense guy as well. Mm-hmm. So um, a little bit of attitude goes an awful long way. And I'll tell you, one big hit lights up a whole mm-hmm. – take it from me, mm-hmm. lights up a whole <laughs> defense and makes him play differently. Yeah, and, you know, a lot of experience with having some of those tough losses. So hopefully uh, hopefully that happens. Um, so how deep into the playoffs do you see the Packers going? If I think they're probably – if they're an 11-5 and team, which I think is pretty likely – then they're probably a three or four seed. Mm-hmm. How deep do you think they can? Can they go further than they have two of the last three years? Well, I, you know, I'll tell you this: um, if they had home field, I would I would pencil them for the Super Bowl. Now, granted, I'm a homer. Yeah, I, like could be the you know 
maybe after you, the second biggest homer there ever was. Hey, I didn't yell so that the whole world heard when they I, drafted I Vince Beagle. Actually, so I just I saw fist pump. Ever. Um, <laughs> I, I think, I, you know, every year I say, well, they're going to go to the Super Bowl if only this happens. This. I don't I don't see that this year. Yeah. I, I see real, uh, like, I'd love to see them play the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I really would. Um I don't think Dallas is going to be the same Mm-mm. team as they were because they, you know, they've been exposed. Atlanta will be uh, will be good, but if Atlanta's Atlanta's not playing at home for their you know, the NFC Championship game, I don't I don't think they're that team. So I see them going uh, going to the uh, to the Super Bowl. I, I think the changes that they've made, you know, get you over the hump. Um, and and my my fear here is you have all these additions and you have another flame out at the divisional round. Yeah. You know now, once again, like we talked about, now you got to start talking about scheme. Yeah, uh, and and that 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 has big changes on the horizon. So yeah, listen, I'm, I'm going to stay with my homer pick. I think the Packers go to the Super Bowl. Uh, I think they beat the Patriots, twenty four to to seventeen. Mm-hmm. And um, you know we can be here a year from now and tell me that you know I wasn't even close. But <laughs> I, listen, I, everyone saw the gaps. Yep, it looks like they've taken a cork and plugged every one of the holes mm-hmm. in the ship. And um, and done everything they're supposed to do. So if this isn't the answer, I you know I think people are going to be grasping for straws if these weren't the answers. Yeah, and I I hope you're right. Obviously, um, I think maybe with the defense they're going to need a year to get really good with all of those guys together. I mean, if 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 they didn't miss on any of the first four, let's say they're all contributors. Mm-hmm. How many are all contributors as rookies? I mean, you take out the seventies what the 74 Steelers when they got Lambert and they got all those the same <laughs> right. year and they all were great right away. I, I just feel like they might not have enough this year. And the thing with the NFC, I agree all of the people that were there yet last year, I don't think we're going to be there this year. Atlanta was eight and eight in 2015. The Carolina Panthers were seven and nine in 2014. I have a feeling that the Washington or the saints or the Buccaneers or somebody's just going to come out of nowhere and go 13 and three again. And now we were worried about San Francisco and we were worried about Seattle for all these years. Right. Now Arizona's 13 and three. Now Carolina's 15 and one. Now Atlanta's 11 and five with the best offense we've seen since the Kurt Warner Rams. It seems like the NFC, you have a lot of teams that are right in that cluster between eighth best in the conference and best in the conference. And I think the Packers are probably two or three, but it seems like they're eternally stuck at two or three right. and somebody's going to leapfrog them. I hope I'm wrong. Maybe they're the one that finally surprises everybody and goes 14 and two and crushes the world. Um, I don't see it happening. I probably see them losing a tough road game in the divisional or in the championship round again. Yeah. So, so, so like everyone's talking about home field is going to be really that big a deal. Uh, Cause I know, you know, all the way back, Michael Vick beat the Packers, you know, in a playoff game in, in green Bay and, Giants beat the Packers twice, right? In, yep. in uh, playoff games, but but I'll take I'll take those chances. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bet my money on on those chances, and so let's just focus on home field first and let the let the chips fall where they may. And from the talk of the coach and all the quarterback and and all of the leaders on the team, that seems to be their focus. So you know, you think of last year, haha, Clinton Dix lets Andrew Luck escape from him in a play that would have let Aaron Rodgers, who was white hot, get a chance to play. You miss a coverage against Atlanta. Right. Those are two plays. If those go differently, now you're twelve and four, and the Atlanta Falcons are coming to you. And it's good to hear. 
they always emphasize something and it always works. And then every time you plug one hole, another one opens up. That's just the nature of football. That's what makes it interesting. So hopefully they're um, able to maybe make those couple extra plays and get home field for once, because uh, I think um, then I really like their chances and the Patriots, we don't have to talk too much about them, but they, in every single NFL preview issue that I saw about 10 different magazines, everybody on television, they're basically saying it's the Patriots Super Bowl to lose and nobody's really close. I think the AFC, outside of maybe the Raiders, I like Miami with Cutler. I don't think they'll beat the Patriots, but I think they're an interesting team. They're probably going to go deep into the playoffs again, but gosh, you you, you wonder what would happen to the Patriots if they had to go through the NFC playoffs. Right, exactly. It, it just bothers me so much, and I think somebody could beat them for sure. Well, you know, Pittsburgh will be okay, will be good. I, yeah. I think Pittsburgh will be good. I, I, it's... it's um, I think in this particular case, uh, I think the reason everyone's penciling in, it's kind of the usual suspects, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's Pittsburgh, it's you know uh, less so Kansas City, and um, and the Patriots. And the trouble with the, the Patriots, as you mentioned, is they have they have such a weak uh, division yeah. that, that they're you know they, they'll go uh, what they'll go six and or <laughs> six five and, and one yeah, in their division every single year and yeah. be at home. Um, Listen, that's a good football team. I, I don't think they're nearly as good as people make them out to be. No. I really don't. I, you know, if and that's why I'm so excited. I'll be honest with you. I'm so excited about having the safeties come down because they beat. Uh, you know, Tom Brady beats everybody by getting the ball out in two seconds. Right? Yeah. Well, he can do that because you've got these tiny slot receivers running choice routes or whip routes on linebackers. Go ahead and match them up now with two guys who run four four and four five. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's and by the way, are four inches taller than either of the players, so they mm-hmm. have reach to knock the ball away. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point, it's it's probably going to happen. And if if history is a guide in the next couple of years, Tom Brady is forty years old right. when the season starts. Brett Favre had perhaps the best season of his career in the year in which he turned 40, and in 41, he was probably the worst starting quarterback in the NFL. Peyton Manning at 38 in the first half of the season was an elite player. In the second half of the year, he should have been on the bench. When it goes, it goes fast. And so it would not be inconsistent with history at all if not only was Tom Brady not the MVP this year, but if he was terrible. Yeah, I, I think, I, I, you know, listen, um, I, I'm past, well past 40, and I'll tell you, getting hit, by a 300-pound lineman feels different at 24 than it does at 40. And, um, you know, he's played this long because nobody hits him. I mean, yeah. again, think about the last big hit on Tom Brady. Yeah. You can go back a long time. Yeah. 10 years. Yeah, yeah. And so um, – uh, but in order to hit him, you got to cover his the quick yeah. receivers, and and if you do that, uh, you know the first team that figures that out is going to have their number. Absolutely. So let's draw on that. You brought it up, not me. That you've forties uh, in the rearview mirror. <laughs> right, right, right. So one of the things that is interesting that you brought up in in our introduction that we wanted to talk about is that you know I'm a, I'm a thirty year old guy. You're not thirty, and every Probably fifty five. By the way, there we go. Okay. <laughs> Um, so the thing that's different is I started watching football, uh, every week religiously in about 1994. Okay. And since that point, the Packers were even by 94, were already a dark horse to threaten the Cowboys and threaten the 49ers. They've been a Super Bowl contender for all, but maybe a couple seasons mm-hmm. that I've been watching. 2017 is no different. You go into the season with tremendous hope. You're excited. You want to see what's going to happen. You always have a great quarterback. I've never known anything other than that. So I wanted to ask, how is it different now for a fan like you who 
you were the same age in 72 with the Dan Devine teams that I was in 2000 or in, I'm sorry, in uh, 1996 when the Packers were winning the Super Bowl. What is it like going into 1979 with David Whitehurst as your quarterback trying to get excited for those games? So so I'll tell you, uh, I started watching Packers religiously probably in 69, uh, which is probably the Phil Bankston, Mm -hmm. Dan Devine kind of era. And, um, you know, I had heard incessantly about the the Lombardi Packers and and it was actually very confusing as a seven or eight year old kid to, to see this team that everybody talked about the great Green Bay Packers just getting obliterated <laughs> you know just uh, uh and, and i'm here to tell you I, I hope we have some listeners who are kind of the same age the, the the people who have grown up with the packers being good have no idea i think what it is to be a packer fan because when people say long-suffering packer fans you know when the packers um had MacArthur lane and john brockington and mm-hmm. they got to that playoff game mm-hmm. this place went crazy um and then of course they lose the next week at washington and you know be, Washington plays nine in the box and stops to run a game. And Scott Hunter couldn't, you know, hit the <laughs> hit the broadside of a barn. And it was Christmas Eve to boot. Yeah, exactly terrible. right. So, so um, you know, my memories really are around you know 1980, the Bears beating the Packers 61 to seven. You know, the 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 la- the laughing stock of the league. I know this is really hard for people to hear, mm-hmm. but you know, it is absolutely true that in a lot of the football books, the uh, the players of that era were threatened with getting sent to the <laughs> Siberia of Green Bay. If you don't play better, we're going to send you to Green Bay. It was a threat. Who was the the player? I forget. Uh, I think 1980. They drafted a running back in the top five and refused to come. Yeah. So so um, I don't know if it was a running back. I, I think it, there was a there was a nose tackle. His last name oh. was Clark. I think. Yeah. Right. From out of, Penn State. Out of Penn State, and he 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 didn't want to play for the Packers so badly that he left and went to the Canadian Football League. And you got to remember, in 1980, the Canadian Football League is not what it is today. <laughs> uh, you, know, it, it, you know, the Canadian Football League back then was probably the same as the, you know, my old NFL team, the Neighborhood Football League, who we called ourselves the Darboy Packers and played it on, on weekends in, a, in an empty lot. Um, so, so they were really bad. Yeah. And uh, beloved, right? Yep. So, so I think that the really interesting thing is you think about somebody like Jimmy the Greek. If you think mm-hmm. go all the way back there, um, and you know, um, cross the other guys who were, and they they would like they would like pander to the Packers. Like they would they'd have a good play. Uh, there was no Sports Center at the time, yep. but they'd have a good play, and you'd see that play like that one play like. 27 times that week <laughs> and they talk about that play and if we can only string those plays together and um you know the bart star era there was so there were bumper stickers that said fresh start with bart i remember that mm-hmm. and 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 everyone was just so sure mm-hmm. like there was no way it couldn't work and and i would say when it didn't work it was more con- it wasn't there was no anger mm-hmm. it was more confusion sure like like you know how to win you you know you you're you're one of the disciples of of Lombardi, one of the greatest players of all or one of the greatest coaches of all time. So why isn't it working? Sure. And of course you got to have players. Sure. Um, and at that time, if you remember, uh, not you know there there was uh, discrepancies in the amount of money that teams could pay players, and they didn't have the same salary cap stuff, and nobody wanted to come here. Yeah. So um, you know there were times where you really believed that you know Nebraska, who was really really good <laughs> yeah. in the seventies with football probably could have beaten the Packers. Wow. And was there a feeling that 
this is never going to get better. This is going to be like this forever to the point where finally the NFL gets tired of this experiment. I I love how you mentioned they pandered to the Packers. They were on Monday Night Football every year through the late 80s, even though they stunk because they wanted so badly for this team to be good. But was there a feeling in that late 80s, early 90s that eventually they're going to pull the plug on this because we just can't compete? Well, I will tell you that if it wasn't a a city-owned team, if it wasn't owned by the people, this team would have been gone a long time ago Mm -hmm. out of Green Bay. There's just no possible way that that with the landscape of ownership the way it is now that this team wouldn't have moved. but but there was like any spark was mm-hmm. just it was like the second coming. I remember when they traded for John Hadle. Now you have to remember that's like seventy. I don't know four. Uh, seventy four. Seventy four. Yep. So I'm twelve years old yep. this time. Uh, I'm twelve years old and I'm thinking two first round draft choices for a thirty eight year old. What are you doing? And, yeah. And so so that that speaks to desperation. To yeah. be Honest with you, that speaks to somebody saying, you know, we're one player away. Well, no, you're not. You're not one player away at all. You you probably have seven really NFL worthy players on your team altogether and you're you're really a long ways off. So every time there was something cool, you know, the nineteen eighty three Monday night game against the Redskins, yep. it's the high, still to this day the highest scoring Monday night game in history, uh, which is one of my favorite memories of all yep. time, by the way. I remember mm-hmm. where I was, I remember watching Mosley's kick go wide, I remember Joel Theismann kind of flopping on the ground. Yep. Um uh and then, you know, the magic man comes mm-hmm. along and, mm-hmm. and What's really interesting is is there was a lot of excitement, but the record was still terrible. Yeah, it was still really bad. So, so there was never really a feeling like you're going to be successful. Yeah, it's just um, a brief moment it, of not pain. Yeah, so, so it's like, hey, we you know we don't have to be embarrassed that yeah. as much this week. My one of my favorite games that I have in my collection, I've talked about it a lot on the podcast, in my massive collection that goes to exactly what you're saying, is. The 1979 Monday Night Football win over the Patriots. And I have the Channel 11 post-game show. There are people in the streets. They're mugging for the cameras. They're talking about how big this is for the Packers. This was a 1-3 Packer team beating a 3-1 New England Patriots team. I have Packer books from the 80s where they're still talking about how magical that night was. That would be the equivalent of the Packers beating the Chiefs at home in week five. The yeah. Patriots with Grogan hadn't done anything. Right. They're a team that's 3-1 and one and was like 11-5 and five the year before. It's like, oh my gosh, we finally beat the Dalton Bengals. Hit the streets. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just you were grasping for anything because, you, you know, to go from such a prideful class of the league, most championships, and then, you know, the whole title town stuff started getting thrown in, 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 in Packer fans' faces <laughs> and there were some not – two nice terms that were given them. I mean, it was, um, I'll just tell you, it was a rough time. And, and, uh, but what was really cool about that is that, um, everybody still sold out the stadium. Yeah. Listen, I tell you when I was 14 or 15, my great friend, Ron Kruger and I, uh, you know, we hopped on a a bus from a bar and, and went up to a Packer game and it was a December game and they, you know, they were probably, you know, three and ten at the time. Okay, and it was the high. I mean, we talked about it all week long. <laughs> never talked about the game. Sure, just never talked about stats. Never, t- no fantasy yep. football. And, and, and they it probably had gotten beaten badly. But you know, went to Lambo. Yeah, and, and you know, I saw the, uh, you know, I saw the one player that you could name on the team. Mm-hmm. So, so this is a revelation, and I, 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 I hope it doesn't get to the point where, yeah. where Packer fans have to go, you know, wander through the desert for thirty years again. But I, to gain that perspective, yeah, you, you know. So just remember. 
remember that that uh, we are blessed. I, really, I hope you enjoy this time because between by the time they're done, between Favre and Rodgers, you're going to have 30 years of outstanding quarterbacking when many teams in the NFL won't have three years of good quarterbacking yeah. in that 30 years. Mm-hmm. And and it's actually one of the things that, that the reason the Packers were bad for so long. I mean, yeah. You think of the you know, the list of characters other than Lynn Dickey, who <laughs> yeah. uh, is still one of my favorite, you know, throwers yep. of the football. Yep. Threw a beautiful deep ball. Um, you know, so so when, when the Packers draft a quarterback every year, virtually every year, and people kind of roll their eyes because uh, Rodgers there, just remember those 30 years where, mm-hmm. where Scott Hunter and Jerry Taggy and, <laughs> and you know, uh, Randy Wright and some of those other players. You know, again, I'm not putting them down because they, no. they played pro football and I didn't. Yeah. Uh, but clearly we're not in, in the class of, of, of players that could lift a franchise. If you have to play in the NFL to say Jerry Taggy was bad, then there should be no sports talk. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. That, that just seemed to be one of those given things. <laughs> um, so, so I hope everybody is, is enjoying yeah. this time. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're a... Uh, you know, if you're a, a kind of a fan that has come in during your time, I will tell you that there's some real love for the team that gets built when they're bad. Yeah. You know, people talk about falling off the bandwagon and all those kind of things. Just think about that. For virtually 30 years, mm-hmm. Packer fans filled that stadium without a hope, without a mm-hmm. prayer mm-hmm. of making the playoffs. Yeah. Um, that's those are what true fans really are. Yeah, absolutely. So that's awesome. And uh, I'll speak up for my generation and say two championships in 30 years. What a bunch of crap. I don't care about winning divisional round playoff games in Dallas. But, yeah, no, that's that's awesome to hear. Um, and before we deviate from the past, I have it on my notes here. You once told me that in school, I believe, you either wrote an essay or had a presentation that the NFL needed to break up the monopoly that was the Chuck Knoll Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. So if you think about the Steelers teams uh, of that era – you know, so you're you're cheering for one of the worst teams, historically bad teams, and to win four Super Bowls in that period of time, um, you know, and this from a twelve year old's perspective, of <laughs> yeah. course, you know, you just think, well, it's never going to get better, and mm-hmm. and 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 in kind of a really weak way it was like well how can we even expect to ever compete with yeah. terry bradshaw and and jack ham and lynn swan and you know it like like it you know it's just not fair well <laughs> yeah. you know if you said to somebody it's just not fair because yeah. we got beat all the time they'd laugh you out of the room but there was there was absolutely a time when 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 there were absolutely the haves and have nots mm-hmm. and that's the bigger point here i think is that the salary cap really changed football much for the better mm-hmm. I, you know there's all kind of talk now about whether Get, you know, contracts should be guaranteed and that it, a whole different conversation. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. the salary cap, you know, really made it so the Packers can compete. And that in that period of time, you know, the Packers were not five games worse than the Steelers. They, they to be honest with you, for the most part, didn't even belong on the same field yeah. as the Steelers. So I don't I don't think that's just desperation from a fan of a team that's not very um, it was it was clear to a twelve year old that the talent difference was so big between your favorite team, right, and and this other team that it just it wasn't fair and and uh, there was no way uh, there was no way that if we didn't do something nationally mm-hmm. that they yeah. would win the next ten championships and of course you know Father Time is undefeated and everybody you know uh, everybody leaves the game of football as they get old but mm-hmm. it was. Um, it was a really crazy time because you always thought you were going to be the little brother. Yeah. You know, you, you had, you know, hooray, we have an NFL franchise, um, you know, hooray, that's better than a lot of states, but uh, boy, boy, you just, you just 
hung your head every time you played the, the and and you 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 had uh, one really good indicator is in Green Bay, um, there were tons of people who uh, had like Steeler stuff mm-hmm. and they and and like they would wear their Steeler stuff and sometimes they'd get booed, you know, sometimes they'd be razzed, but they would be like, okay, we get it, like we, we kind of get it, like. Um, you know, you probably they probably have a you know, John Hadle twenty one jersey in their in their um, you know in their closet as well. But uh, yeah, it was a it was a very different time. And so so people, if you complain about the uh, the salary cap ever, just go back to that period of time, and you'll mm-hmm. see that the, the NFL is a much much better league. Sure, uh, when everybody genuinely has a chance. Yeah, absolutely. So um, it, yeah, it's exciting to be going into a season, and I know it's a little different, but. I'm a big baseball guy. Uh, you feel some of that as a Brewer fan a lot of times, and they're kind of hopefully beginning the start of turning the corner into a contender. But I've been a Brewer fan since I was a kid, and outside of a couple years when it felt like we were good but in a phony kind of way, uh-huh, like sure. this is totally not going to last. Right. Like if we don't win the World Series this year, we're probably never going to make the playoffs again. And I can't imagine that feeling for football because – when you're a baseball fan, the worst teams in baseball win once a week. Mm-hmm. The Packers sure. went to the NFC Championship game last year and went, what, 34 days, 36 days between wins to have that for 30 years? I'm 30 now my whole <laughs> life? It doesn't feel like it's been a short cup of coffee. Well, well, so the nice part about it, though, listen, I, what, who I really feel for are the fans who are a little bit old, five years older than I am mm-hmm. and grew up with the Lombardi Packers and actually watched yeah. them be really good. Because then you can, it looked like they had a chance. Like, yeah. like you know, but in our case, it was just okay. We're bad. We, as far as mm-hmm. I can remember, we've always been bad. We'll probably always be bad. Sure, we're kind of a cute little side asterisk for the NFL. Um, and I, so I hope I hope you're enjoying this time. I oh, really I do. absolutely am. I mean, I don't know any different. But your point is maybe somebody who's five years older than me that's a Bucks fan. The Bucks have been a doormat ever since I've been paying attention. Sure, you know those people saw them go to the playoffs twenty years in a row. You know, and I don't think anybody cares about the Bucks that much. Not, but not, not the same way. Probably. Not the same way. All right. So um, with that. Let's real quickly before we wrap up talk about tomorrow, which is actually the first preseason game. Sounds like Aaron Rodgers isn't going to play. Sounds like it's going to be some bad weather. Probably not going to be a lot of guys you've heard of playing most of this game, especially if the weather is not particularly good. But what are you looking forward to seeing tomorrow, I guess from a team standpoint? And obviously we're all looking forward to uh, football, some hitting and some you know re- relative return to football. Yeah, so for me, uh, I don't have any, any trouble with Jahari Evans. I think the offensive line is going to be fine. I think the wide receivers are going to be fine. Uh, I would say the first time blitz pickup comes for Ty Montgomery. I really want to mm. see if he just gets run over. He shouldn't. He's big. You know, he's almost as big as some of the linebackers. Uh, I want to see how um, Jamal, Jamal Williams runs. Mm-hmm. I think he, if he looks just really natural in yep. that. Um, and then, uh, and I think really if if we get any push from the defensive line. So mm-hmm. so listen, you've got you know Clark. Mm-hmm. He can push the pocket. You've got Daniels. He can push the pocket. Um, you know, Francois is not, you know, he's not really a, a pass rusher, but uh, Dean Lowry, holy cow, yeah. has he been getting some pub? Yep. Yep. You know, he's throwing people around and, uh, you know, his hands are up in the air. So so my, my real thing is we know we're going to have outside linebackers be able to blitz from the outside over the top. Mm-hmm. If we get any pressure up in the face of the quarterback, mm-hmm. that's a really good sign. Yeah, and I think what I'm looking for tomorrow, but uh, for the entirety of the preseason is I want to see – Kyle Fackrell and J. Ron Elliott 
and who else? It, hopefully Vince Beagle gets a chance to at least play in one game. Right. But any of those kind of guys, I want to see somebody be J. Rowan Elliott in 2014 or – you know, it doesn't always translate into greatness as we saw with Vixa Oto, what, 10 years ago now. <laughs> right. I want to see one of those guys just cause chaos and look like Clay Matthews or look like Nick Perry at his best. I know it's against lesser competition, but they're going to need those guys, especially if Matthews and Perry have the injury health history that they've had throughout their careers. One of those guys has to step up or that pass rush problem that you described is going to be there. And if you can't dominate, in the first preseason game or the fourth preseason game, what chance do you have to dominate in December? Right. So one, one kind of uh, flying under the radar name that you should just keep an eye out for is Reggie Gilbert. Uh, Reggie Gilbert is an outside linebacker. He, he, he looks 6'3", 240 pounds uh, on the practice field. He looked like the prototypical outside linebacker. Now he's on, I think he's undrafted free agent, but um you know, he beat some guys. He, he absolutely beat some guys mm-hmm. in the one-on-one drills, the backup guys. So, um, you know, I, I'd love to see Fackrell come, you know, you draft him third mm-hmm. round, you want him to come around. Um, and Elliot has been like a, a you know, a, a, a wonder on special teams and kind of a, a preseason guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but keep Gilbert an eye on him because he, he fits physically the bill. I sure. Guess. Yeah, so uh, we'll look forward to that. Uh, Jamal Williams, I echo that too. But if anything, I'm just glad to see – even if it's Joe Callahan or whoever the heck the Eagles have as their ninth string quarterback. Um, it's just fun to see that happen again. You feel like maybe you can get the grill out again. It, it's it, We're back to football, and that's always a fun thing. Well, it's the most, it's the most wonderful time of the year. I mean, I, you know, fall in Wisconsin is an incredible place. And, and um, you know, you can only watch the NFL Network replay games so often. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the top ten – uh, biggest uh, disappointing losses. You can only watch it so many times because the Packers are in all three of them. times, I think. <laughs> yeah. um, and so I'm, I'm super excited. And uh, again, hats off to uh, Ted Thompson for, for loading, you know, loading this team and, and filling all the holes. And um, again, let, you know, keep an eye on scheme now mm-hmm. because we have the players. Let's, let's see how that turns out. Absolutely. So uh, I'd love to hear what any of the listeners have to say and your predictions for not only this season, but things you're looking forward to in the preseason or anything else. Uh, if you are someone who did experience firsthand the seventies or eighties Packers, let us know some of that stuff. Or if you're uh, my age and you have some stuff that uh, you found interesting or something you want to ask about that era, let us know as well. You can always go to the Green and Gold Forever Facebook page. Uh, search for that on there, at Green Gold Forever. Of course, that's the number four on Twitter. Uh, you can tweet at us there, and you can hear me just get lose my mind over how much the Brewers can't hit right now. On uh, I'm always talking about all Wisconsin sports on the Green and Gold Forever Twitter. Um, if you have kind of a long form or if you have some ideas for topics, you can always email it to us at green, goal, green and gold podcast at uh, gmail.com. So definitely interact with us at all of those platforms. Of course, don't forget about the Green and Gold um, Forever page, which is greengoldforever.podbean.com with our complete archives. And did you know, Chris, that if you download the Podbean app, you can get the complete archives of five years of Green and Gold Forever. So you're, that's you're, so. So that's what that's about. It's uh, about one hundred and eighty episodes. Or... No, that's absolutely free. Actually, well, it's free. It is definitely oh, free. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to have to go now because I have yeah. to. I have to get that. Uh, I don't have it yet, but yeah. uh, I'm on my way to get that now. The uh, jury's still out if that's a fair value or not, but um, <laughs> everybody should definitely go there. And if you do, uh, definitely subscribe or follow, I think it's called on there. And uh, it's also available on iTunes, so if that's your preferred, you only go back about, I think, 12 episodes or so on iTunes. But if you go to either of those, please uh, give us a follow or subscribe, and then definitely uh, rate and leave a review if you are so inclined. 
So, Chris, uh, thanks for joining us on this uh, first uh, journey with you and I on this podcast, and hopefully we can have you back. Uh, this was super fun. I, the, the time went so fast, I can't believe it. And, um, you know, uh, I'd love to come back. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, there, you know, there's going to be an awful lot to talk about this year. So thank you very much for the opportunity. It was really fun. Yeah, so hopefully uh, we'll see you soon, and hopefully we'll uh, talk to all of you soon. So thanks so much for joining us, and I can't believe it, but another season is finally here. And uh, hopefully they've all been special recently, but I hope this one's the most special that we've had in a, a number of years. So take care, everyone.